You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everyone? Nick Filato, a big blue view here, joined by Chris Flum on the Chris and Nick show to break down the New York Giants wide receiver room. I think this is a very interesting room, Chris, because last year, last offseason, the New York Giants invested a bunch of money into Kenny Galladay, and the New York Giants offense maintained its respectable position as the 31st most potent offense out of 32 teams last season. So hopefully we could see a better breakout in 2022. I'm hopeful. Chris, are you? You know I am. Yeah, just based on the fact that we finally have coaches in there who – know what millennium it is you know you've got yes, mike yes. kafka who learned <laughs> under andy reed you've got brian dabble who has been all over the place he's been down in college he put together a pretty innovative offense in buffalo so you know we might see concepts that you know didn't that weren't last run in the 1980s <laughs> That's what we're all hoping for. And I think we can maybe start this by reflecting a little bit on the 2021 season because there are a lot of reasons why the New York Giants offense was so terrible. A lot of it was scheme. Some of it was Daniel Jones. A lot of it was just an overall lack of cohesion because of training camp time that was missed by several different receivers, injuries. There was a confluence of reasons why the New York Giants were terrible on offense last year. And I was going through some Kenny Galladay stats. I think we could probably start with Kenny Galladay specifically when we're reflecting on the 2021 season. This guy, bro, only had 14 deep targets. That are targets that are 20 yards or more downfield. Chris, he caught one of them, bro. He caught one deep target. When the Giants signed this guy, and if you knew he was going to play the vast majority of the season, and you would have heard that stat, and the stat that said zero touchdowns, two red zone targets, what would your reaction be? Uh, what? <laughs> like it that based on the player that Galladay was supposed to be, the player the Giants signed him to be, uh, he there there is no way to to frame that as anything other than really a shocking disappointment of a season. Yeah. I would hope that Galladay himself is disappointed. I know I am, you know, there are reasons. uh, I know people love to point to the offensive line and that certainly did play a role. Uh, Losing Daniel Jones going to, well, uh, specifically going to Mike Glennon, that also played a role. But also, when we go in and look at the season itself, yeah, Galladay, he wasn't particularly healthy last year. He did a whole lot of not practicing. He missed a couple games. And also, he was, I believe, the worst separating wide receiver in the NFL last year. Like, he was always 
tangled up and tied up with opposing defensive backs. Like he just couldn't get a breath of space, a breath of separation from opposing cornerbacks to save his life. And that is just, that just makes it so tough to consistently catch the ball. Yeah. Yes. He is big. He is strong. He is really a specialist in tilting the field on those 50, 50 balls and making them 60, 40. But when you've got maybe half a yard of separation, yeah, that's, that's really more like a 70, 30 ball for the DB. And when you look at his route tree too, Chris, he ran a lot of go routes, a lot of slants right off the line of scrimmage on, you know, slant flat type of concepts, a lot of hitches, as we know, the Jason Garrett special. And then some dig in post routes, and I felt like he did well in the intermediate portions of the field on those dig routes over the middle of the field when Daniel Jones could deliver the football and hit him in stride. But before we even talk about some of the things he did well, I don't want to focus on the negative, but I do believe some of these stats are just alarmingly bad. He was second to last out of all the wide receivers who played, a, I think, 20% of snaps in catch rate. He had a sub 50% catch rate at 49.3. And the only wide receiver that was worse than that was Darius Slayton, which is just comical when you look at the New York Giants and speaks to just how bad the New York Giants offense was last year. And then he also had the lowest yards per route run of his career at 1.23 yards per route run, which ranked 79th in the league behind Khalif Raymond and Nico Collins. So This is one of those seasons where I hope, and I do believe this, Kenny Galladay is going to look at it. He's going to take it for what it was. It was a disaster. And then he's going to just throw it away and prepare for next season. And judging by some of the comments he made in OTAs and minicamp, it seems like he has that mindset. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I always try to keep in mind is you are never as bad as your worst game, but you're also never as good as your best game. So the reality of what Kenny Galladay is, is probably somewhere between last season and that season where he led the NFL in, t- in touchdowns. Yeah. Hopefully he is closer to that peak and hopefully he will be put in position to really maximize his skill set, where run those routes, where he looked good. And hopefully he won't be put in quite so many ISO situations where, okay, he's not a great separator. Giants will put him in, in situations where they are scheming him separation. And I have a lot more faith in this coaching staff to do that than the previous one. So I hope Kenny Galladay, and I think Kenny Galladay, if he's healthy, will have a bounce back type of seasons. Now that, that season that you referenced just before, that was 2019 and it was only 11 touchdowns. It was just a league wide, low touchdown a rate for a lot of wide receivers so he had 11 but he was north of a thousand yards which he's done twice in his career with a yards per catch of 18.3 which was also the most in his career last year he had a 14.1 yards per reception but i do believe he's going to step in he's going to be the x receiver in this offense but that doesn't necessarily always mean he's going to be on the backside of three by one sets i think you're going to see him as the number three receiver sometimes i think you're going to see him as the slot in two by two i think it all depends on what the defense is doing and the matchups that Brian Dable can try to exploit. And when you talk about matchups, Kenny Galladay is a six foot four, 215-ish pound wide receiver who has solid speed and is pretty good in contested catch situations. So I'm expecting all of those traits of Kenny Galladay to be leveraged by this coaching staff. 
Yeah, absolutely. The Giants do have the Giants have 14 wide receivers on their roster. Well, they've got 13 signed, and then Wandale Robinson is currently unsigned, at least as of their when we're recording this. I wouldn't put it past them to ink that contract in between when, when we record this and when the podcast actually drops, because well, that's just the way the Giants operate. They love to do that to us. But you know, the Giants have a ton of wide receivers on their roster right now. They've got a pretty broad mix of body types and skill sets. So, you know, they've got a few big guys like Kenny Galladay. They've got uh, Colin Johnson, 6'6", 220. They've got David Sills, 6'3", 211. Yeah. Uh, just signed Robert Frost, Robert Foster, and uh, Ke- I'm sorry, just signed Keelan Doss, who's 6'3", 204, Robert, F- Robert Foster, 6'2", 196. So they've got some big bodies. They also have a bunch of small, really quick wide receivers. So with a coaching staff that is willing to move guys around, willing to look for those mismatches and put guys in positions to succeed – having that broad broad selection of skill sets can be very useful. Which I think is also interesting because there are a lot of receivers on this roster who hover just short of about six foot, like the Kadarius Tonys, the Sterling Shepherds, the Richie James, the Alex Bachmans, the Austin Proles, who are all maybe even a little bit smaller than that. I'm wondering, with the history of injuries that Kenny Galladay has suffered, will that open up a door for a possible bigger body receiver to make the roster like a Keelan Doss or maybe even a Colin Johnson. Before we go and talk about Kadarius Tony, do you think that might go into the New York Giants mind at all? I'm not quite sure how you could avoid it, really. I mean, they also have Ricky Seals Jones, who, you know, this isn't a tight end show, but he does kind of straddle the line between tight end and receiver. He's a converted wide receiver. And yeah, if you are looking at Kenny Galladay as being that big body, the guy who in some ways can help set up matchups for other receivers who can, you know, kind of be the pick player. If you're looking to create separation, not that the giants will run pick plays. Those are of course illegal, of course. but <clears throat> using route combinations, his size is useful for forcing defensive backs to take the long way around. But then, like you you say, you reference him moving into the slot. It, moving big receivers into the slot can be incredibly effective. You, you know, when you can get a five foot ten, uh, hundred and eighty five pound slot corner on a six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pound receiver, yeah, you know, that's instant separation right there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yes, instant separation, especially when you're running slants in those quick game type of concepts that we saw a lot last year. Hopefully the Giants are a little bit more successful this season. But I want to talk about the next three receivers that come to my mind. Kenny Galladay, he is pretty specific with his size and what his role might be on the offense. But I do believe Sterling Shepard, Wandell Robinson, and Kadarius Toney 
I don't think their similar skill sets are the same, but they're all similar in size and they all have the potential to be very good route runners. Sterling Shepard is already there if he maintains that after the injury. But let's start with Kadarius Tony for a second. Say this kid is motivated. He is there at the facility training and practicing. What is his ceiling? Chris, because Kadarius Tony, man, this is somebody who last season ranked 15th in the league and missed tackles forced, and he only had 39 touches. He was eighth in the league in yards after catch per reception with six yards after the catch, and he was tied with Tyree Kill in 11th in the league in yards per route run. Now, he ran less routes than Tyree Kill, but still, we know how dynamic Tyree Kill is as a deep threat. Now, it's 2.14 yards per route run. So what is the ceiling to Kadarius Tony if he's fully dialed in? You know, I, I don't know because that really is dependent on so much more, so much around him. I think he can be a good receiver. He can be a dynamic weapon. But like you say, he has to be dialed in. He has to be on the field because he is a guy who has struggled with injuries, you know, really throughout his college career. And we saw it last year. He only played 10 games. Yeah. You know, Tony has really impressive stop start quickness yeah I, I do see some people kind of uh going into hyperbole when they talk about Kadarius Tony's athleticism uh like uh Sam Munson in writing for pro football focus said he has unbelievable athleticism incredible athleticism he is very athletic but he is not the best athlete in the NFL there are a lot of wide receivers who are really good athletes to me, what is most impressive about Kadarius Tony is his stop-start quickness, his ability to change direction, losing, I'll say, the minimum amount of speed. You know, his straight-line speed is good. He ran a 4.38, but he isn't as fast as, like, uh, Henry Ruggs or uh, Tyreek Hill or those, uh, those true speed demons out there. But just having that ability to very quickly stop force defenders to change their angles and then explode in another direction that i think is what really makes him dangerous or at least can make him dangerous you know if he is in good positions and has the space to work with and i gotta be honest chris he might and i'm not i don't think i'm being hyperbolic here i think he might have the best change of direction in the nfl I think there's a conversation to where that is not a ridiculous statement. Whenever you see Kadarius Tony in space and some really athletic defensive back has an angle on him and he's able to just plant his foot and then explode in an angle that should not be known to man. Some of the ways he's able to pivot off of his feet. I think he is in the conversation to have some of the best change of direction at that position. Yeah, that is, de that is definitely fair. Yeah. I think it also does kind of help that tackling around the NFL is at kind of an all-time low. It just seems, it seems to keep getting worse, which is, I think, a whole different conversation. But th this really does, I think, hinge on him, A, being dialed in, like you said, and also, B, being healthy and on the field. You know, he's been in the red jersey. He had his knee scoped. Uh, last year, he had a plethora of injuries. He had shoulder injuries, lower body injuries. Uh, in college, he's had both upper and lower body injuries. I think like hamstring, ankle stand out. So he really does need to be on the field. Uh, if 
I would say even if he doesn't reach his ceiling, I could see him comfortably being a Mario Manningham type, another guy who, no, he was never a high-volume receiver. He was never a number one threat on the offense, but very athletic, incredible change of direction and stop-start skills with Manningham. I remember one play, I think it was during the 2011 season where a DB had the angle on him and Manningham just stopped and the DB completely whiffed and went flying off the field. It was right along the sideline. It was hilarious. And then kept going and picked up another, I don't know, I think it was about 10, 15 yards, something like that. And I, I think even if Tony isn't able to reach his full ceiling, that's still a player he could be. I think you're onto something there with the Mario Manningham comp. I think the ceiling is very high for Kadarius Tony, but the health is an issue, and that's something that cannot really be overlooked in terms of what he can do in 2022 because of his past. Now let's transition a little bit to Sterling Shepard. We're talking about health. Sterling Shepard, unfortunately, has been injured a lot of his career. I believe he's been injured in every season he's played. I might be off on that, but I know he, yeah, I'm pretty sure he never played a full 16 or 17 game season. He's coming off of a torn Achilles. He was able to lower his cap hit and play for the New York giants at a reduced rate during the offseason, which I like because I'm a big fan of what Sterling Shepard can offer, but what should we realistically expect from Shepard? Because I'm not hundred percent certain when he's going to be back on the field and this is a more crowded wide receiver room at the moment. So what are your expectations for Shep in 2022? You know, I I would just be happy to see him on the field. You know, that was an ugly injury when it happened. Like you when he got hurt, it was almost like the the Victor Cruz injury where you you just knew something was very wrong. The way he just kind of landed and crumpled to the ground. So I just want to see him get back on the field because you know, I'm with you. I really like watching Shepard run. I, wa- I love watching him play. He is honestly one of the best route runners in the NFL. He is incredibly precise and incredibly smart about how he runs his routes. He needs to be healthy in order to do so. Yeah, I think m- maybe the best hope for him would be to be would be to be that veteran in the locker room to help the young guys to give them pointers help them learn how to study how to become the same kind of technician that he is shepherd the giants have kind of always used him in high risk situations in you know as that kind of that go to slot receiver when you need a third down converted, that's where they were going to go over the middle. And a lot of times he was led into some pretty violent collisions and a fair amount of times he would pop back up and just straight up flex on the defensive back. But unfortunately all those hits, I think just kind of accumulated on him in 2019 Shepard played 10 games. He had 57 receptions at, 10, 10.1 yards per catch. Then 2020, he played 12 games, 9.9 yards per catch. And then last year, he only played seven games. And again, 10 yards per catch, only 366 total yards, only scored one touchdown, which unfortunately did lead the receiving core. But yeah, it's just, he's taken so many shots. 
over his career. And it's not like he's been in the NFL that long. He's only, he was only drafted in 2016, but man, I like and respect Sterling Shepard so much, but I really have to wonder just how much of a role he will be physically able to have and just how long he'll be, he will be on the team. Yeah, I kind of fall into that same boat. I think his ability to create separation with precise route running is is very underrated. And I think one reason why it's underrated is because he's been playing on a bad New York Giants team that doesn't necessarily get that many national nationally televised games. I think there's an element of that. And I also think the fact that he can't stay healthy is another reason why it's underrated. But I watch a lot of film, man. His ability to defeat man coverage is exceptional. But his ability to understand spacing, the overall spatial awareness as to how he runs routes against zone coverage is very, very good. So I'm hoping that he can get back on the field because I think he has a lot to teach Wandell Robinson and Kadarius Tony, and he can bring both of those players' game to the next level. And we don't have to speak too much about Wandell Robinson. If you guys want to hear our thoughts on Wandell Robinson and his fit in Brian Dable's offense with Mike Kafka, scroll down the feed a little bit. Chris and I came out with a podcast a few weeks back on Wandell Robinson. But just because we're talking about the wide receiver room collectively, if you had to guess, Chris, how how many snaps or what the, what is the snap percentage that you believe Wandell Robinson will play if the Giants wide receiver room is relatively healthy? Well, if they're all healthy – and are able to stay that way for the course of the season. Um, I'm going to guess somewhere between a third to half the snaps. Yeah, I think he will be out. He will be out there a fair bit. They are the Giants are pretty heavily invested in him. You know, a high second round pick is nothing to sneeze at, and they wouldn't have picked him at the top of the second round way earlier than a lot of people thought he was going to be drafted if they didn't like him. They picked him, they drafted Wandale Robinson for a reason. Now, maybe that reason is because they want to be absolutely sure they have that quick, gadget-esque player skill set on the field at all times, and they didn't know how bought in Kadarius Tony would be. They don't know how healthy he will be able to stay, or maybe they want two players like that. Yeah. Something we talked about before we started recording the Kansas city chiefs, which is where Mike Kafka is from. And the Buffalo bills played a lot of 10 personnel over the last couple of years. They use a lot of four receiver sets. And if you can get, Wandell Robinson and Kadarius Tony both on the field at the same time. They both don't have to be slot receivers. They moved around their respective college offenses a ton. You know, they they were both gadget players up until their senior seasons. They played out of the slot. They played out of the backfield. They moved out wide. They went into motion, did a ton of sweeps, end arounds, toss plays, screen plays. They were basically just schemed touches all over the field. And that, I think, is a skill set the Giants want on the field all of the time. Chris, one of the more interesting players on this roster who is still currently on the roster, but I think there's a debate as to if he's going to be there for the entirety of the 2022 season, is Darius Slayton. This is somebody who has gone downhill since 2019. His impressive 
rookie season when he was a fifth round pick out of Auburn. And the Giants can save $2.5 million if they release Darius Slayton, a player who does not have special teams value. So I think that's important. And I like Darius Slayton. I like what I've heard out of OTAs and minicamps about Darius Slayton. But it was not pretty last year. This is somebody who ranked seventh worst in the NFL in yards per route run, which was less than a yard. He was 90th in yards after the catch per reception at 2.6 yards. He was dead last in contested catch percentage. He had 12.5%. He had eight contested catch opportunities, caught one of them. And he, as I said earlier, of players, wide receivers who played over 20% of snaps, had the dead stone last completion rate at 47.3% catch rate. Three interceptions were thrown in his direction. He only had one missed tackle forced. I mean, that's a lot of negative things about Darius Slayton, somebody who had six drops last year, struggled with drops in 2020, and he saw, I believe, 55 targets, only caught 26 of those targets for 339 yards with two touchdowns. It has not been great for Darius Slayton. So, Chris, what do you think Darius Slayton's role is on this 2022 Giants team or do you think that he might be a cap casualty because of all the other things I mentioned before and because of the depth the Giants now have at the wide receiver room? I think Slayton is going to have the opportunity to keep his job. I think he will need to play well in training camp and in preseason to keep his job. He's going to have to really improve his separation ability. That's something he's always struggled with, kind of like Kenny Galladay. And he's going to have to be consistent catching the ball. You can't have a receiver who drops the ball, especially not as much as Slayton does. I could definitely see him on the roster as a big play uh, flanker. Yeah, kind of that guy streaking down the field, adding that vertical element, occupying the free safety, forcing defenders to play off because he does have that explosive speed. Yeah, explosive, deep speed. The problem is that if you get him the ball deep, you're never quite sure if he's going to haul it in or if it's going to doink off his hands. And anytime that happens, it's in danger of being picked off, which is, again, something you can't, you, you really can't afford if you're an offense because the only sure way to stop a modern NFL offense, which I sincerely hope the Giants field, is to take the ball away. So... If Slayton flashes big playability, but also has ball security issues in training camp, and he shows that in the preseason, then at that point, the two and a half millions, two and a half million in cap space is just more valuable than he is, especially because he doesn't also offer special teams upside. Yeah, I think the special teams element could bite him in the rear end. But one thing that is working in his direction, other than the speed and all the things that you mentioned, is the fact that he is a willing run blocker and he's pretty pretty talented run blocker as well. I think it's unfortunate that we haven't seen Darius the Darius Slayton that we saw in 2019 because a lot of Giant fans, including myself, thought we might have had a steal there. And it's been pretty bad since then. I'm not 100% certain if he's going to make this roster. I think you're right. He'll have an opportunity to earn it. And I think that is going to be one of the more interesting storylines in training camp. But if he doesn't make the roster, Chris, which one of these players that we're about to go over will make it over him? Because you have guys who have special teams value. David Sills, CJ Board, Richie James. And then you have players like Colin Johnson, who is a big X type of receiver. Robert Foster has some 
links with Brian Dable from their time at Alabama. You have Keelan Doss, who the Giants just brought in during OTAs at minicamp, who seem to be turning some heads. Alex Bachman, Austin Prohl. There are a lot of wide receivers here. Who do you think would have the best chance? Travis Tovinen as well. Who do you think would have the best chance, though, Chris, of playing so well in training camp that they make Darius Slayton expendable? You know, I kind of, I'm kind of leaning towards CJ Board just because he is such a good special teams player. I don't expect the Giants to keep a whole separate special team squad like they did under Joe Judge, where they were you know, bringing in rugby players and you know, having guys who their whole purpose is special teams. You know, beyond the three specialists: long snapper, kicker, and punter. But I think at the wide receiver position, if you have guys who are capable of producing on the field on offense, but also being really important special teams players, those guys, I think, have kind of an inside track towards the, towards the roster. Yeah, I am kind of looking at Robert Foster, Robert Foster Keelan Dawson, and CJ Board. Uh, maybe Keelan Doss has some added upside because he could, his size is kind of close to Kenny Galladay's. Like we said earlier in the podcast, if the Giants want to use Kenny Galladay's size as part of the structure of their route concepts, they have to recognize that he has dealt with injuries throughout his career that you can almost see the injuries bouncing up and down the kinetic chain in his lower body where he'll have hip injuries and knee injuries and ankle, then knee. And then you could, it just goes up and down. They're going to need another guy on the roster who can offer at least some of what Galladay does. So maybe that weights things more towards David Sills and Colin Johnson. Keelan Doss seems to have kind of the, the best combination of athletic traits, size, background, all that to fill multiple roles if necessary. Yeah, Keelan Doss is an interesting one. This is somebody who went to UC Davis, was a undrafted free agent back in 2019 by the Raiders, had a role in his rookie season in 2019, was pretty efficient, but hasn't done really anything since. So we think he is somewhat of a wild card here. When you look at the Giants' depth chart in totality, you have Galladay, Shepard, Tony, and Wando Robinson lock it in. Darius Slayton, that's a unique conversation, and the Giants can roll with six wide receiver. So potentially, depending on how this new regime feels about Slayton, there could be two spots up for grabs for the CJ boards of the world, the Richie James, the Keelan Dosses, the Robert Fosters, etc. I think the Giants like Richie James. I think his skill set is somewhat similar to Kadarius Tony and Wondell Robinson. So I can see a camp battle where Richie James and CJ board are kind of vying for one spot because of their special teams prowess. And then that leaves the debate up in the air as to if Darius Slayton is or isn't going to make the roster, what does that say about the rest of this wide receiver room? Now, let's operate under the assumption that Slayton is going to make the roster. Do you have any beat on a battle between CJ Board and Richie James or any opinions on that whatsoever? Because it seems like both these guys are 
they gain a lot of steam. Richard James, you hear a lot about him in minicamp and OTAs. And then CJ Board, we saw what he that catch that he made against the Falcons last year. We've seen him step up and make some big plays throughout his short tenure here in New York. Do you have any beat on who would win that type of battle? You know, I don't. Just a big part of that is because I – still don't have a great read on what this offense is going to be. Yeah, I know we've gotten reports of a, t- a bunch of RPO plays out of uh, OTAs and minicamp, but this is still relatively early in the process. You know, pads aren't on yet. Guys aren't hitting. We don't know how big of a role the running game is going to play. We, we aren't anywhere close to them installing the real meat of this offense. So I think we will get a pretty good read on how, how these guys are layered and where the individual battles are pretty early in training camp. But I think that's still something we're going to have to wait a few more weeks to see. I agree. And one play that reminds me of CJ board from last year. Do you remember the like 50 yard touchdown run in week two by Daniel Jones? And CJ yes. Boyd was down the field, just driving a cornerback out of bounds. I, yes. That play always stuck out to me. So this is somebody else who also has that run blocking upside. But I would agree. I don't know exactly what's going to happen between Board and James. I think ultimately one of those guys is going to make the roster. And I think something to pay attention to throughout training camp is Darius Slayton. But other than that, Chris, do you have anything else you want to say about some of these back-end roster guys or any of the other guys we already went over? I do think keeping an eye on the uh, on the practice squad will be interesting as well because the Giants do have a bunch of guys who have injury concerns. We've got injury concerns with Kadarius Tony. We've got injury concerns with Kenny Galladay. We've got injury concerns with Sterling Shepard. And I think we could see the Giants keep a fair amount of these fourteen wide receivers on their practice squad just to have them ready just in case so we could see austin prohl we could see keelan doss or colin johnson i'm not sure if david sills is still eligible for the practice squad uh i but i think we could see him stick around if the giants are able to keep him around so that there are i think a lot of interesting battles to be seen at training camp and a few of them are going to be under the radar but definitely worth watching yeah and a lot of them are within this specific position wide receiver so everyone thank you so much for tuning in to the chris and nick show here on big blue view radio please head on over to bigblueview.com for all of our up-to-date New York Giants content. And also, go to iTunes, go to Spotify, wherever you listen to this podcast. Leave a comment, a like, you know, throw us a bone here, okay? That'd be great. Thank you so much, everybody, and have a lovely day. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. 
Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.